Well, this morning we're going to be beginning a whole new series that I've been looking forward to beginning, and we obviously have completed our series over the book of Revelation, so now we're into this new series, and I'm glad you're here this morning to be a part of that. And uh, the title of the series that you're going to hear me use over and over and over again is Come, Grow With Me. Now, you can take that title in two different ways. You can, it can be the Lord Jesus Christ that's inviting you and me to come and grow with Him. Understanding, of course, that He doesn't need to grow. He is fully perfect and mature in every way. But He's inviting you to come and walk with Him and grow with Him. But you also can take it that it's your pastor that's inviting you to come and grow with me. And so either way you take that, uh, that uh, I just trust that you will do the coming and the growing with the Lord as well as with me. Well, since the New Testament is all about coming to Jesus Christ and getting saved, then after that, growing in that new life with Him, you realize we got a big subject to cover here. I mean, it's really all the Bible, especially all of the New Testament they're going to be looking at. So we're looking at a great wealth of material here, but I think that you'll find it'll be a blessing to you and me as we do grow in the Word. Now, I've been saved, I'm sorry, I've, yes, I've been saved for over 60 years. I don't look that old, but that's true. I have been, and I have pastored churches for around 40 years. In fact, uh, as of um, April, actually it was... Uh, uh, the triumphal entry there, when Palm Sunday, uh, it will mark 22 years that Mary and I have been here in this church. So you've really been good to bear with us. We thank you for that. But 22 years that we've been here. Thank you. Appreciate that. And it's been a blessing. I mean, uh, I just, I praise God that how he's led and, and uh, what he's done in our lives and in your lives as well. But, but let me say this. Having been saved that long and having pastored for that long, uh, I've observed things about spiritual growth both in my own life as well as in the lives of others. Uh, there are always a number of sheep. That's people who are saved. They've come to saving faith. But you know, there's not a great deal of interest, it seems, in their life about growing spiritually. Well, they may talk about it. But church is sort of optional to them. And uh, reading the Bible and grasping what it says and making it a part of life is also sort of optional to them. But they have a real interest about the world. You know, it's like, hey... Uh, I, I want to get what I can out of this. I want to enjoy this trip as best I can. I want to make it as easy and as comfortable for me and my family as I can. And there's a lot of people like that. You know that and I know that. And and maybe that's where you are. And I can understand that. Because, you know, one of the things I see that in the United States of America, it really is not all that easy to be a growing, dynamic Christian. Because it is the land of the free, you know, and there's freedom and uh, there's a pursuit of happiness and, and there's so much that's offered that you can enjoy in life. And that isn't all bad. Don't, don't take me wrong on that. It isn't all bad. But the problem is a lot of people say, that's what I want. That, that, that's, I'm, I'm glad I'm saved and I'm glad I know I'm saved. 
And I'm glad I know that I'm going to go to heaven when I die or the Lord comes back. But now, I'm living here and now, and I want to get the most out of this that I can. Let me just challenge you on this. The Lord says the best way to get the most out of it is to come and grow with Him. Amen? But that can be deceptive because you say, well, I want a life of ease and comfort and so forth. And uh, as I said, in many respects, it's harder to be a Christian and grow in your Christian life today than it was in the first century. Think about that. Boy, it was cut and dried back then. Uh, maybe you were running for your life if you became a Christian back there in Jerusalem with those uh, 12 apostles and so forth. But now, uh, you know, people tell me in Thailand, well, yeah, you're from America, you're a Christian. All of America is Christian, aren't they? I mean, they're Americans. And uh, that kind of mentality there. And so in some ways it's a lot harder, I think, to be a Christian today than maybe back there in the first century. But what Jesus said to those 11 apostles or disciples, he also says to you and me. And that is, he said, my father is glorified by this. My father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciple. In this series, Come Grow With Me, uh, we will be discovering, or covering, I'm sorry, many different facets of spiritual growth, and we're going to be looking at several different passages of Scripture, and some of those we're going to be visiting any of a number of times over and over again. So, I ask you to come and grow with me as we begin our series this morning, and we're going to start by looking at God's purpose for your life. God's purpose for your life. After you come to saving faith, dear ones, this obviously is foundational. It's foundational. You and I need to understand and grasp God's purpose for your and my life. And we're going to begin with that first part of your outline. Now, I'd encourage you to use your outline because you're going to be, we're going to be looking at a lot of Scripture. And uh, that will help you if you use your outline. And uh, if you write those verses down, then you can go back and you can review this during the week. And that's partly of how we grow. So I'd encourage that. And we begin with the first part of your outline there. And you can write it in if you would desire. Every disciple of Christ is a Christian. But not every Christian is a disciple. Every disciple of Christ is a Christian, but not every Christian is a disciple. So my first question to you is this, are you a Christian? It starts there, it has to start there. And I understand that most of you here could say, yes, I know that I am a Christian. Have you confessed with your heart and with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead? And what you're saying by confessing that, It's not just a bunch of words there that somebody says, repeat after me, and there you're in. No, it's that you're saying, I believe that He is Lord. He is the Son of God. He went to the cross. There He, all my sin, all my sin was placed upon Him. That's incredible. Think about all your sin, all of it, was God placed it upon Him, and then He poured His fiery wrath out upon Him, and He bore all your deserved judgment, all your punishment. 
That's why he cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And by the way, that'll be the cry of those in eternity in hell. Why have you forsaken me? God is not anywhere around to be found as they are suffering eternity in hell. But you say, I believe that he's the Son of God and that he bore all my sin took all my deserved punishment and judgment. And then God says, do you want to know whether I was happy? And did he, did he satisfy me? On the third day, what did he do? Everybody, up from the grave he arose. Okay, right. And why did God raise him from the dead? Because he's confirming, I am completely satisfied with what he did. You couldn't pay anything. You can't add anything to that. Did you get that? You can't add anything to that. You don't get it in a church. Any church, Baptist, Methodist, Lutheran, Catholic, you don't get it there. It is a gift that is freely offered to you and me, right? For by grace you have been saved through faith in that, not of yourselves. It is a gift of God. And so it's between you and God, not the church, you and God. No, it's you and God. And somewhere in your life, you placed your faith in Jesus Christ and said, He is the only one who can save me and keep me saved. I am putting my faith and trusting Him. Dear ones, that's what it means to be saved. And so I asked the beginning question there, Are you a Christian? I hope everyone here can answer yes, but if not, then dear one, before this service is over, I want you to be able to do that. Just put your faith in Him, acknowledging He and He only can save you. Nobody else can do that but He, and it is a gift, which simply means what? You receive it. You say, how do I receive it? By faith. By faith. Lord, I believe it. I'm accepting you, and that's it. Well, my second question to you is then, are you a disciple? Come grow with me, and I want you to be able to answer. Yes, I am a disciple. Every disciple of Christ is a Christian, but not every Christian is a disciple. By the way, the Bible makes it clear that God commands every Christian to also be a disciple of Christ. That's very clear. One who follows Him, one who is learning from Him, and therefore is growing and bearing much fruit. But not every Christian is growing and bearing fruit. Many, in fact, multitudes are loving this world more than they are loving Christ. And boy, I'll tell you, James, the half-brother of Jesus, is even more blunt. For here's what he says. He says they are in bed with the world as one would get in bed with a prostitute. How about that? Yeah. James 4. They're in bed with the world as one would get in bed with a prostitute. And so this series, Come Grow With Me, is all about not just being saved. Not just floating along until you finally end to breathe your last, or God comes and takes you out of here, but rather it's about being a disciple of Christ, one who is following, learning from Him, and growing, and therefore we are bearing much fruit. Well, now we come to the next major part of your outline. God's purpose for your life. I'll bet you can fill it in. Growth. Okay? Growth. That's His purpose. Growth. Look with me, if you would, at 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. And number one in your outline, growth in the Thessalonian believers. You say, Seth, What? Couldn't it be the Arlington believers? No, the Thessalonian believers. Paul went to Thessalonians in 50 A.D. 50 A.D. 
That's when these folks first heard the gospel and got saved. Okay, 50 A.D. It was in 51 A.D., a year later, shortly after that, he had left Thessalonica, where he started a new church there. And uh, he leaves there and goes to Corinth. And it was from Corinth that a year and a half or so, in fact, he stayed in Corinth a year and a half, let me say that again, Acts 18, 11, he stayed in Corinth about a year and a half. And just think of having the Apostle Paul there to be uh, your teacher for a year and a half. Well, he founded the church in Thessalonica in 50 A.D. In 51 A.D., he's in Corinth, and he writes this letter of 1 Thessalonians back to these believers there in Thessalonica. Now, I want you to take note of their spiritual growth. And this is verses 2 through the end of that chapter. Paul writes this to them. One year later, just one year later, we give thanks to God always for all of you, making mention of you in our prayers. Constantly bearing in mind your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the presence of our God and Father, knowing, brethren, beloved by God, His choice of you. For our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction, just as you know what kind of men we prove to be among you for your sake. You also became imitators of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much tribulation with the joy of the Holy Spirit, so that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. That's one year later. For the word of the Lord has sounded forth from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place your faith toward God has gone forth, so that we have no need to say anything. For they themselves report about us what kind of reception we had with you and how you turned to God from idols to serve a living and true God and to wait, to wait for His Son from heaven whom He raised from the dead, that is Jesus, who rescues us from the wrath to come. Amazing here. How long have they been saved? How long? One year. Tremendous growth there. Isn't that exciting? Tremendous growth. Now, number two, the growth and the Corinthian believers. Paul went to Corinth in 51 AD, a year after, or just shortly after he left actually uh, Thessalonica. And uh, he started the new church there. And I mentioned that he was there for a year and a half in Corinth, according to Acts 18.11. And... Uh, then Paul left Corinth after his 18 months there and went to Ephesus. And it was from Ephesus around 55 A.D., or approximately, dear ones, four years later from founding the church in Corinth, that he wrote the letter we call First Corinthians and sent it to the believers in Corinth. So these people in Corinth now have been saved between four and six and a half years. That's quite a while. They've been, say, between four and six and a half years. So, let's see their spiritual growth. Look at 1 Corinthians 3. And we're going to read the first three verses. And by the way, you can read all of 1 Corinthians just to see where they were. I mean, all kinds of things were going on in this church that were displeasing to the Lord. But verses 1 through 3... 
of chapter 3, and I, Paul writes, and I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual men, but as to men of flesh, carnal, it might say in your Bible, as to infants in Christ. Wow. Just babies. I gave you milk to drink, not solid food, for you were not able to, not yet able to receive it. Indeed, even now you are not yet able, for you are still fleshly, still carnal. For since there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not fleshly, and are you not walking like mere men? Boy, how would you like to have Paul visit this church? get to really know you and me, and then leave and then write back to us. I wonder what he write here. What a difference. Say between four and six and a half years, and yet virtually, and by the way, they had some of the greatest teachers and preachers they could have had. Apollos, Peter was there as I mentioned, and so forth, and uh, and, uh, uh, Timothy was also involved with this, and yet he says, you are like babies in Christ. So the uh, number three, the all-important question in your outline. Number three, the all-important question. First, how long have you been saved? Is that a fair question? How long have you been saved? I've been saved for over 60 years. It's frightening. And I realize that I have far less in front of me, time-wise, than behind me. And so that's why I'm very interested in this series of growth for me. And how have you grown in your Christian life? And I'd also add to that, are you a Thessalonian Christian or a Corinthian Christian? Only you can answer that, you and God. But are you a Thessalonian Christian, growing, looking for the Lord's return, established in the faith and so forth and love? Or are you a Corinthian Christian? Well, that brings us to number four in our outline, God's goal for you and your growth. God's goal like to see the hand of God in all this. God's goal for you and your growth. We're going to begin with Ephesians 4. Ephesians chapter 4. And I'm cutting in the middle of a lot of this, but we're going to read verses 11 through 13. Really a profound portion of Scripture. It says here, and he gave, that is, The Lord Jesus Christ gave some as apostles, and some as prophets, and some as evangelists, and some as pastors and teachers. Why did he give these men, gifted men to the church? For the equipping of the saints. That's you. For the equipping of the saints. Why? For the work of service. Why? To the building up of the body of Christ. The whole body grows when each one of us is growing and serving the Lord. Until, oh here it is, verse 11, amazing verse. Until we all, I almost want to take that word all out of there. How about some? That makes it a little easier on me. Okay? And the leaders of the church. Until we all And that includes you, doesn't it? Got that? It includes every believer in this room. Until we all attain to the unity of the faith 
and of the knowledge of the Son of God. That's what we try to do is help people grow to know Jesus better from the Scriptures. To the knowledge of the Son of God. And here it is. Here you can mark it to the a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. I mean, that's astounding. And God says, that's my plan, my purpose for every believer. That's why you need to be a part of a local church where the Word of God is being proclaimed and taught. And accurately so. Because God says, my plan is that you will become to the stature that belongs to the fullness of Christ. That's a tall order, isn't it? By the way, there's so much more there. And you understand, here he's addressing the church. Not just the individual. He's really addressing the church. And there's so much more. And we'll be coming back to uh, look at this passage as we go through this series of Lord willing later on. Secondly, Romans 8 28 and 29, if you'll turn back there. Romans 8, 28 and 29. God's goal for you and your growth. Romans 8, 28 and 29. Many of you really know quite well, verse 28, I know that. And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. There's that purpose clause. For those whom He foreknew, He also predestined to become conformed to the image of His Son, so that He would be the firstborn among many brethren. So what's God's purpose for you? He says, I am in the process during your earthly sojourn of conforming you to the image of My Son. So how much like Jesus are you? Am I? As we develop in the fullness of the stature that belongs to Christ, as it said there in Ephesians 4.11-13. through 13, To become conformed to the image of His Son. Along this, and you don't need to look this one up. In fact, it'll probably be, maybe it's not going to be on the board here, but uh, a wall. But 1 Corinthians 15.49, and that simply speaks of the whole process. Thank you, Alan, it is there. And just as we have borne the image of the earthy, which means Adam's image, we will also bear the image of the heavenly. It means you're going to be just like Christ. And so that's kind of the fulfillment of that purpose or goal that God has. Number five, God command, God's command for you to grow. He actually commands that. How about that? He doesn't just suggest it's a good idea. Or I think it'd be wonderful if you would grow in Christ and become more like His Son. No, He actually commands it. Look with me, if you would, at 1 Peter 2, verses 1 through 3. It's good to have you use your Bibles or your cell phones as Bibles or whatever, your pads, I don't know. Or you can just use the wall behind me. We got you covered, this church. First Peter 2, 1 through 3, 3. He says here, Therefore, putting aside all malice, and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. That's a, quite a list there, isn't it? Like newborn babes, 
long for the pure milk of the word, so that by it you may grow in respect to salvation, if you have tasted the kindness of the Lord. Now listen, he's not saying that the word is milk. Don't, I don't want you to misunderstand. He's not saying this word here is milk. He's saying it's like a baby longs for milk. That's the one thing the baby wants. And what does milk cause that baby to do? Not just stop crying. And not do other things that you know with diapers. No, it causes them to grow. And he says you need to long for the word in the same way because it will cause you to grow. He says that you may grow in respect to salvation if you've tasted the kindness of the Lord. And that means you've gotten saved. And by the way, growth is something you do all of your life until God calls you home. Look with me at his next book that he wrote, Second Peter, verses uh, chapter three, verses seventeen and eighteen. Second Peter three, seventeen and eighteen. He concludes his final letter to the uh, scattered believers throughout Asia Minor, with these words. This is Peter that does this. You therefore, beloved, these are saved people, knowing this beforehand, knowing what beforehand? That the Lord's going to come back, that all this world system is going to be destroyed. He says, knowing this beforehand, be on your guard so that you are not carried away by the error of unprincipled men. And there is a lot of error being taught in churches today. I almost hesitate to bring this up because I don't know if you would give me my $95 million jet or not. That's right, I'd have to have a pilot first. Amazing what's going on in the name of Christianity, isn't it? A lot of, a lot of error going on. Uh, in false teaching and so forth. He says, Be on your guard that you are not carried away by the principle of error of unprincipled men. By the way, the only way you can know that is to know what the Word of God says. And fall from your own steadfastness. Now listen, he didn't say lose your salvation. He said fall from your own steadfastness. He would have never written this if it wasn't possible. But it is possible. It's a real imminent danger and concern. So what do you do? Verse 18, but here's the command, but grow, grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. That means get to know the Lord from the scriptures, but also put it to work in your life. That grace growth there. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity Amen. So it's not just a good idea, a wonderful idea. This is a command of God, and it's His purpose for your and my life that we grow. Now you know He uses everything in your life. We know that all things work together for good to them who love God and who are called according to His purpose. So He uses absolutely everything. And that's another message down the road talking about how He does that that either causes you to grow or causes you to step and stumble. We'll be looking at that some other time. So God's purpose for your life is growth. Now, the second purpose, though, God's purpose for your life, glory. Isn't that good? Glory. That's the ultimate. Glory. 
Number one, God sets forth His purpose for your life. And we're going now to go back to that verse, Romans 8, 28 through 30. Romans 8, 28 through 30. You know, I really want you to get something out of this series, but even if you don't, I really want me. In my few days, few years left. By the way, my favorite reading or unfavorite reading is the obituary these days. Well, it's interesting. I, I tell you what, not that I know the people in there, but I always, I'm always interested, how old were they when they died? You know, that's, that's the scary part. 63, 65, 68, some 70. There was one 108. 106, I think. 106. Yeah, Lord, that's the one I want. <laughs> but I really want this to God, and you can pray for me. I, 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 I want to grow. Whatever that takes, I want to grow so that this next part is mine as well. Glory. And God sets forth His purpose for your life. Romans 8, 28 through 30. And so we're going to go back to verse 28. And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. For those whom He foreknew... And I'm not going to get into the depth of that. It doesn't mean, oh, God knew everything, so he saw back there what was going to happen. It's not, that's not what that means at all. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his son. That's the purpose there. So that he would be the firstborn among many brethren. And these whom he predestined, he also called. And these whom he called, he also justified. And these whom he justified, he also glorified. Amazing. Those are called the five chain links to your salvation. The five chain links to your salvation. In other words, foreknew, predestined, called, justified, and glorified. Now, He foreknew you in eternity past. Chosen before the foundation of the world, it says in Ephesians 1. He predestined, that is, He predetermined you are going to get saved. If you have a problem with that, take it up with Him. I am glad He predestined that Bill Walker would be saved. And then He called me. I had to be born. I had to show up on the scene and then become where I understood right and wrong and a little bit of the Scriptures. And He called me. And I responded to that call. And when I did, what happened? He justified me. He says, I declare you as, listen to this, as righteous as my Son. Not in yourself. No, I clothe you with His righteousness. He now is your life. You are hid in Him, and He is in me, God says in John chapter 10. But then look how He ends it. This is amazing. He said those people, the fifth link in that chain of your salvation, He glorified. Wait a minute. That's yet, in a sense, future. He says, yes, but it's what we call a prophetic future. That means it's as good as done. I love that. I love that. I, I'm on a journey now, and I want to grow in the last part of this journey of my physical life here, but I know that I'll be in there, and I'll be glorified when He calls me home. And He guarantees it. It's good as done. Romans 8, as you might know, is one of the, probably my most favorite chapter in all the Bible. Well, we move on there. 
to, to number B, 1 Corinthians 15, 49, and that's where we see it as good as done there, or having been finished there. As we saw this verse before, just as we have borne the image of the earthy, meaning Adam, we who are saved will also bear the image of the heavenly. We're going to be just like Jesus Christ when he finishes this glorification process. And that takes us to number C in your outline, 1 John 3, 1 through 3. 1 John 3, 1 through 3. Beautiful words written by Apostle John. See how great a love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called the children of God. Isn't that something? You and I are called His children. He says, and such we are. It's a fact. For this reason, the world does not know us. No, they don't. Because it did not know Him. Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not appeared as yet what we will be. We know, though, we know that when He appears, we will be like Him. Isn't that great? We sinners that are growing in Christ will be like Him because we will see Him just as He is. And by the way, no one can look upon God and live in all of His splendor and glory except those who are in the family. And everyone who has this hope fixed on Him, what happens? Boy, here's this growth thing again. If you've got your hope fixed on Him and you're living in light of the Lord's return and you're living in, to walk with Him now, what happens? You end up purifying yourself just as He is pure. We will be like Him. Well, that brings us to number two, our journey from glory to glory. Our journey from glory to glory. Under that, we begin with John 17. That's Jesus in the garden. And would you turn there to John 17? Otherwise, I'll think you fell asleep on me. John 17. Profound passage and prayer of the Lord. John 17, 22 through 24. Jesus prays, the glory which you have given me, what's he say there? What's he say? I've given to them. Isn't that something? <laughs> Us imperfect, flawed family members, the glory God you have given to me, I've given to them. That they may be one just as we are one. I in them, amazing. I in them, the glorified Christ. I in them and you in me. That they may be perfected in unity so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you have loved me. Amazing words. Father, he says, I desire that they also whom you have given me be with me where I am so that they may see my glory which you have given me for you love me before the foundation of the world. And he says, I share that glory with them. I give it to them. That's the beginning of our glory. Amazing people we are called the children of God whom he has given Glory to. 
And now the process of our glory in your outline. The process, and please turn to this verse. If you don't have it underlined or circle, would you do that? 2 Corinthians chapter 3.18. It can almost be the theme verse of our uh, series here. Come grow with me. 2 Corinthians 3 verse 18. By the way, if you stop bringing your Bibles because we're putting it on the wall behind me, we'll not put it on the wall behind me. You bring your Bibles, please. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. And that mirror, by the way, is the Scriptures. Beholding as in a mirror. May I say this too? They didn't have the glazing on the back of those mirrors back in the first century. But they would use pumice and they have metal and they just rub that pumice over that metal and get a, a bright a sheen as they could. And so you can imagine, you didn't see the clear thing that you might see when you go and use your bathroom mirror or the mirror that you ladies might have in your purse or the visors when you pull them down. It wasn't that kind of a mirror. So it says, as it says here in verse 18, but we all with unveiled face beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord in the scriptures, the glory of the Lord are being transformed. That's the literal word metamorphosis. The larvae in the cocoon is being transformed into a butterfly, a beautiful butterfly, are being transformed into the same image from what? Come on, louder. From glory to glory. That's the process. Think about that. You are the most valuable work, if I can say, in the hands of God right now. It isn't the creation that said he's going to blow it in smithereen anyway. No, it is you, his child. He says, I am transforming you as you go through this earthly sojourn from glory to glory, just as by the Lord, the Spirit. By the way, that shows the deity of the Holy Spirit. Just as by the Lord, the Spirit. So that's the process that's going on that we need to be sure that we're cooperating with and all the things that God brings into our life, causing all things to work together for good to those that love God, to those who are called according to His purpose, which is to conform us to the image of His Son. But it doesn't stop there. Look at Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. Verses 20, verse 27, I bet you have no idea what that verse says. Well, at least the last part you'll know what it says. The first part, cutting right in the middle of a sentence, to whom God willed to make known what is the riches of the glory of His mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you. Come on, the hope of glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory. What's he saying? Christ is in you. That glory is guaranteed. It's an assured thing. Look with me, and what a beautiful verse, to Colossians 3, verse 4. When Christ, don't miss this, who is our life? If you're saved, Christ is your life. Got that? I'm saved. Christ is now my life. When Christ, 
who is our life, is revealed. That means that unveiling. Then you also will be revealed with him in glory. Dear ones, don't misread that. He's not talking about going to heaven. It's true, you'll be there, but glory is not heaven, although heaven is glorious. He's talking about the manifestation of the glorification of Christ at that time. When he's revealed as truly the Son of God in all of his splendor and glory, he says, you, my children, my sons, my bride, will also be manifested, revealed in glory as well. Amazing. Well, what will that be like? Jude 24 and 25. That little one-pager before Revelation. Jude 24 and 25. Now to him, now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to make, and to make you stand in the presence of his glory blameless with great joy. That's what God's going to do to every child of his, every Christian, every saved person. He will make you stand in the presence of his glory, blameless with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. And just to tie in with that, look at Ephesians 5. I said we'd be looking at a lot of scripture in this series. Indeed, we will. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 25 through 27. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her. And it's this part here so that he might sanctify her, make her set her apart for himself, having cleansed her by the washing of the water with the word. What he means is, through the word you came to saving faith. First Peter chapter 2, the last part, talks about that same thing. Through the word, the written word, you came to saving faith. And so he says, have they might sanctify her, having cleansed her, washed her thoroughly by the washing of the water with the word. In our new members class, we had some, well, we had all of them share about how they got saved and appreciated one of the testimonies talking about how they were washed with the water of the word and felt cleansed, completely cleansed. That he, why did he do it? That he might present to himself the church in what? All her glory. All her glory. Having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she would be holy and blameless. My. Number three, God's command concerning you in glory. You don't have... By the way, those are the verses. I hope you wrote them in. I didn't put them in your outline, so I hope you wrote them in. But uh, God's command concerning you and glory, and write this verse down. You probably know it by memory. 1 Corinthians 10.31. 1 Corinthians 10.31. God's command concerning you and glory. 
Whether then you eat or drink, do it every day. Sometimes many times during the day. Go after that next cup of coffee, you know. Tea. Do you have to give thanks for tea? Never mind. Never know. I drink tea when I'm sick. I think you're sick when you drink tea. Uh, some will quit the church and go elsewhere now. But look, whether whether then you eat or drink, or whatever you do, finish it. Do all to the glory of God. It's a command. And what's he doing? He's conforming us to the image of Christ, causing us to grow. And so often we know that God's there, but He's up there somewhere, and yeah, He's sort of in my life. He says, no, I'm absolutely in every aspect and detail of your life. Do all to the glory of God. And we conclude with this passage in 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians 6, 17-20. Kind of a hard-hitting passage, but certainly... Valuable when it comes to growth. 1 Corinthians 6, 17 through 20. I'll make just a few comments as I read it. But the one who joins himself to the Lord is one spirit with him. The idea of joins to the Lord means to be married. A union that's unbreakable. So that's what he's talking about there. But the one who joins himself to the Lord is one spirit with him. Therefore, he says, flee. Run with everything you got, immorality. Flee it, flee it, flee it. Boy, it's all over our society. By the way, it's all over that society back in the first century as well. But boy, he says, flee it. Every other sin that a man commits is outside the body, but the immoral man sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you? What an amazing verse, isn't it? Did you know that your physical body is the temple? You know, people say, and, and I hear this in churches galore, and I, I just have to, it's like people drinking tea, you just have to put up with it. <laughs> the sanctuary. The sanctuary. Dear ones, this is not a sanctuary. That's why I call it a worship center. It's a building. You are the sanctuary. You understand that? This is a building. You are the sanctuary. I am the sanctuary. I am the Holy of Holies. This is where God, the Holy Spirit, dwells. And He's always there. And you're there. I mean, He's in your life as well. That's why He calls you a temple. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you? By the way, notice He says a temple, not the temple. You know why? Because each one of you is a temple. Whom you have from God and that you are not your own. For you have been bought with a price. What to say? Finish it out. Therefore, glorify God in your body. What a journey we're on. I'm closer than a bunch of you most likely. And some of you are closer than I am. That's alright. Going home is a wonderful thing. 
I may not like the event of how I go, but I'll tell you what, to be in His presence is glorious. Why? Because that's what He's designed me for. He saved me back there at six or seven years of age, and He says, I'm starting you on a journey. I And, and you know right where the, this journey leads. It leads into my presence when I am displayed in all my glory to the world and all my creation. I'm going to display your glory as well. And this whole journey is one designed for you to grow because you understand my purpose is growth and Glory, your glory, and of course, he says, my glory. Amazing, isn't it? This is foundational. If we're going to grow, we have to understand this. Don't throw away the work of God in your life. (laughs) So many Christians, and I've been so guilty of it myself, just throwing it away. Why? Because I want to enjoy life now. I want the pleasures of sin now, by the way. God says, that's what I have to break in your habit, in your life, that habit, and everybody else's life. I want you to be able to say, whom have I in heaven but thee, and besides thee I desire nothing on the earth. That's where he wants to get us. To find out that Jesus Christ really can deliver the goods, that he can fully, fully satisfy, both now and when we're home with him. Come, grow with me. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that before we were ever even uh, in existence, before the foundation of the world, you had purpose that we would be born and that we would be your children. And Lord, it's just a vapor. I mean, it's crazy how quickly this life is going. You say the whole business is but a vapor and then it's over. But this vapor is very, very valuable both to you and should be to us. Not to see how much we can hang on to, but rather to become more like you. That that metamorphosis would take place, that that larvae would turn into a beautiful, beautiful butterfly. In this case, that we would become more like the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. Conformed to your image. Father, I pray that even this first message would help us say, I want to grow. I don't want to throw it away. I can understand it's going to be costly. There's going to be some real battles here, but I want to grow and become more like Christ. Because one thing I do know, I soon will be home with Him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive that which is recompensed in his body, whether it be good or bad talking only to believers there. And we're determining even right now our capacity for glorifying you throughout all eternity by how much we will grow and become like Christ now. So speak to our hearts. Just do a work, Lord. Some of us are so stubborn. And there are areas that, man, we hang on to and we'll fight you with a tooth, nail, and everything else instead of just simply letting go and giving up. We need your help. May you help us through your spirit, through your word, and through your people. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.